Welcome to Prairie Dock On Call, made possible by the generous support of Larson Manufacturing and many other corporations and individuals. Their gifts to the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, provide 100% of the funding for all Prairie Dock programs. Please follow the Prairie Dock on Facebook and YouTube, and go to prairiedock.org for more information on making a charitable gift. A healthy mouth is fundamental to a healthy body. The importance of oral health tonight on call with the Prairie Doc. Health information based on science, built on trust. Welcome. I'm Dr. Deborah Johnston, tonight's Prairie Doc. This season, we continue to bring our viewers trusted health information from doctors and health professionals within your own communities. Thank you for joining us again. Tonight, we are discussing the importance of oral health. Joining us in the studio in Brookings are Dr. Alicia Hansen from Southwestern Dental in Sioux Falls and Dr. Brock Tiedstrom from Prairie Sky Dentistry here in Brookings. Welcome, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here and have you sharing your expertise with our viewers, so thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Hansen. Well, um, I grew up in Canby, Minnesota. I went to Augustana College and then to the University of Minnesota School of Dentistry. And then I was uh, a dentist in the Army for four years before I moved back to Sioux Falls. And I've been practicing general dentistry since 2010. You've got quite a history. A lot of experience here, a lot of, a lot of experiences for us to pick your brains oh, out here. So time goes by very quickly. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. it does. <laughs> Dr. Tiedstrom, tell us about yourself. Um, so I am originally from Chanhassen, Minnesota. I went to Gustavus Adolphus College in St. Peter, Minnesota, and then also to the University of Minnesota School of Dentistry. My wife and I lived in Fairbanks, Alaska for two years and have been in Brookings since 2015. We've got four little girls at home that keep us real busy when I'm not at work. Kids do that to you. <laughs> but they're why we do what we do, mm -hmm. right? So, fabulous. Before we start our conversation, we invite you, our audience, to submit your questions about oral health. We look forward to answering your questions. Viewers can contact us three ways, one 888 376-6225 is the number to call. You can send an email to ask at prairiedoc.org or ask on our Prairie Doc Facebook page. We will work to answer as many of your questions as possible given the time available. Sometimes we receive more questions than we can cover and we apologize if we don't get to your question. To encourage you to ask early, all questions asked in the first 20 minutes will be entered into a drawing for one of our Prairie Dot gift items. The winner will be announced at the end of the program. Your question will remain anonymous, but please provide contact information when you submit your question. So we were talking a little bit before the show, um, and 
we were actually talking about socks. And you mentioned that you had a pair of socks that says teeth aren't tools, which I think is just fabulous because I love it when people wear fun socks and, and unique socks. But that's obviously an inside dental, I don't want to say joke, but statement. So what do you mean by using your teeth as tools? Teeth are very, very good at eating food, helping us talk, and providing a good smile when we use them to open plastic bags, bite our fingernails, cut fishing line, cut thread, different things like that. Our teeth hit together and then we almost always end up chipping and breaking them down in a much quicker way. So, so what might somebody notice if they are uh, inclined to use their teeth as a tool, Dr. Hansen? You might have a little chip on, your, on the edge of your tooth. Uh, you might notice um, that you've got a little wear pattern right on a certain spot if you use a certain position over and over again. So it affects your smile. It you get little, smile. a little break in your tooth and you uh, have visible damage from using your teeth inappropriately. What else might people do that they don't think about that are potentially harmful to their teeth? Uh, well, I think what a lot of people do on a daily basis is they are not thinking about those things that can contribute to dental disease. So uh, one thing that I talk about with patients every day are the, you know, the contributors for dental decay. That's something that patients in my practice want to know about or ask me about on a daily basis. And the biggest culprits are definitely drinking soda, drinking coffee with tea or with cream and sugar, even things like energy drinks or um, like body armor or Gatorade, things that seem like they're really good for you, for your body, are really just a sugar bath for your teeth. So that certainly causes a lot of trouble and gives the bacteria in your mouth what it needs to cause a cavity, cause decay. One thing I read about as I was kind of doing a little bit of background for this show is that it's not just the sugar, that your diet soda is not good for your teeth either because of the acidity of that. Is that, is Absolutely. that true? Absolutely, it is, yes. Uh, it doesn't cause as much trouble as quickly, but of course, you know, having that acidic beverage lowers the pH of your oral environment and makes your teeth more susceptible to the action of that bacteria that's living there. Carbonate, carbonated flavored waters are probably something that most people don't think about as well. Um, so those provide a lot of acidity and then anything that we eat has enough sugar in it to cause cavities and problems. So the combination of the acid with anything that we eat afterwards is where we have the biggest problems. So you're saying that even things that maybe my patients that are on their low-carb diets, their ketogenic diets, even those things have enough sugar in them that it can promote the decay, so they still need to brush. They do. Uh, I almost always tell my patients a great way to help avoid dental cavities is to make sure that 
you get even just a little bit of water after you eat or drink anything that isn't water. So you can't cut out sugars in their entirety. You can't cut out acid in their, their entirety. There's times that you can't brush your teeth. Getting a little bit of water and getting your mouth back to normal again is so much more important than almost anything that you put in or brush with afterwards. Interesting. And speaking of brushing, toothpaste. My patients sometimes ask me, well, what kind of toothpaste should I use, Doc? What do I tell them? Any type of toothpaste. How important is that fluoride? Well, the fluoride portion is important, yes. It's just, it's not, it's, it's one of the tools we have in our toolbox to preventing dental decay. It's not, um, it's not the silver bullet necessarily, but it is very important, yes. So fluoridated toothpaste, yes. Uh, for patients who are at a higher risk for decay, there is, uh, there are a few different types of uh, prescription strength fluoride toothpaste that are available through your dentist. Is there a difference between um, sodium fluoride and other types of fluoride? Stannous fluoride? There, there is a difference. Um, I haven't seen a marked difference in what each patient will receive. So I do recommend that people use non-whitening toothpastes that they like the flavor of. And everybody does have a different mouth environment and what works for one person might not work quite as well for another for a number of different reasons. And so I always encourage people to find a toothpaste that they like, something that works for them and that they'll continue to use. Are there some people who have to be careful about the other ingredients in their toothpaste? I'm thinking particularly about people with aphthous ulcers, recurrent aphthous ulcers. What, what do you tell those folks? Well, recurrent aphthous ulcers or canker sores, um, you know, it's not necessarily the toothpaste that's right. causing those. Um, but yes, there are some, some of the ingredients in toothpaste, like the foaming ingredient, um, SLS, sodium lauryl sulfate, can contribute to aphthous ulcers. It can also cause some gum tissue irritation and that kind of thing. Every now and then, we'll see a patient come through and we'll just make a suggestion. It's easy to try a different type of toothpaste and see if that does the trick. Yeah. Anything to add there, Brock? I don't. No. All right, sounds good. Well, we've got some questions here already, so that's wonderful. Um, one person called in and wanted to know, or actually sent an email, if someone has rotting teeth uh, with very little tooth left except in the, in the roots, can this cause memory issues or dementia? Any thoughts on that, guys? Well, um, you know, I would say, and. Forgive me if I'm interrupting. Oh, I have not read anything <clears throat> in the literature that would show a direct link, certainly between tooth decay and causing, contributing to dementia. Uh, but certainly the question could be asked, uh, perhaps if it's going the other direction, you know, if there is some memory loss, perhaps um, that 
um, member of your family is maybe forgetting to brush their teeth or is just not taking as good a you know as good a care of their teeth as they typically would. And that's what I've read too is that the the connection goes in the other direction that we see as Alzheimer's disease or other kinds of dementia advance that the condition of the teeth tends to deteriorate mm -hmm. and sometimes the things I do to people make their teeth worse and that would include with some of those medications that we might use for dementia or for diseases that um, that may be associated with memory loss so why is it important when I come when I go to the dentist and they ask me my medical history why is that important Dr. Teedstrom? Um, it's always important for me to know what types of medical treatments that people either are having or have had as well as the medications that they're taking. Uh, the number one side effect of most medications that I see is dry mouth and you add a second or a third or a fourth medication that a patient needs and that's dry mouth and dry mouth and dry mouth and dry mouth. And so dry mouth allows cavities and decay and dental disease to progress so much more rapidly because our normal saliva flow doesn't get to where we need to be. So knowing what types of medical treatments people are currently having helps me to more accurately diagnose and help somebody in the dental chair to predict maybe what the next three to five years might look like for them for their dental health because nobody really likes surprises. <laughs> Very true. And you know when I think about the medications I give people and the discussion that I have ahead of time about side effects I have to confess, I don't usually think to warn them this might cause dry mouth unless it's a medicine that's a huge culprit for that because I'm too busy talking about dizziness and constipation and crazy dreams and, and those kinds of things that they're more likely to notice mm -hmm. in the day-to-day. -day. So. Well, and dry mouth isn't, it's not a life or death thing. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, you know, some of the medications now that are really big culprits for dry mouth, people are on them for very specific reasons that can be very life-threatening. And so dry mouth is a symptom, it's a side effect, it's a negative for our mouth, but that's also my job to better educate people, make sure that we try and get things under control because you can't live with some of the other medical conditions that are being helped by some of the medications that people are taking. Dr. Hansen, what, what can people do to try to help address their dry mouth? Are there things that they can do? There are, there are some things. Um, the, biggest, the biggest thing is just having a bottle of water on hand. Just as you're going about your day at the bedside, um, try to wet your tissues with water only not with anything that may be acidic or contain sugar. Um, there are several dry mouth products available. Um, none of them are fantastic. Um, I would say patients in my practice have the best success with oral gel um, that stays on the tissues a little bit longer. You can put that in your mouth before you go to bed at night and that can, 
I can help. But just having that bottle of water, making sure that you are taking very good care of your teeth and keeping them nice and clean because with dry mouth, that, sal that saliva is what helps naturally clean the teeth after you eat. And with the lower salivary flow, then the food that you just, you know, your, from your lunch or plaque is going to get stuck on the teeth and can contribute to, to decay. How about gum? Is there a gum that people can chew maybe that can help their salivary flow? I love sugar-free gum. Um, and most gum is sugar-free now. Um, it's actually pretty hard to find gum that has sugar in it anymore, but sugar-free gum is incredibly helpful. Um, I almost always chew a piece after I have a meal. It helps pull food out of my teeth, especially in times when I can't get to the bathroom and brush my teeth. Um, one thing, my mother had breast cancer about 20 years ago and her mouth is chronically dry and she actually really appreciates fruity flavored gum. They seem to make her saliva flow boost more. And so um, for her in particular, fruity flavored sugar-free gum works really, really well to help boost that during the day. Sounds like a fun way to kind of do some experimenting and finding out which one is best for mm -hmm. you. Fun. Oral health is important to a healthy life, but many communities can be too far away from the nearest dentist. Delta Dental is addressing the problem with its mobile dental program, and Prairie Doc reporter Sam Shower shares more about the dental vans. Zach Parsons is the program manager for the mobile dental program, which has been around since 2004. There was a lot of need uh, in South Dakota uh, to get dental care to kids that didn't have a way to get it otherwise. And so that's when we started the, the mobile program. Around 2008, they realized they needed two vans to help with the demand for dental care in smaller communities. The vans are custom made to provide dental care. It's a 40 foot long, essentially a converted RV looks like, uh, but it has two dental operatories that have all the standard dental equipment that you'll see in an office that you go to and for your dentist. Um, in the, there's one in the front, one in the back, and then in the middle we have an intake room where we kind of welcome patients, also have some space there for um, prepping and cleaning our instruments and things like that. And with that, Molar 1 and Molar 2 were created and began driving across South Dakota from the smallest communities to the largest cities. Their mission is to provide dental care to all South Dakotans. We do that with our, our mobile program by providing care to children aged zero through 21 who don't have another way to get to a dentist. So whether that be because they don't have insurance, uh, the cost is prohibitive, or maybe it's just a, a, a geographic issue and there isn't a dentist close enough to them. Parsons says many of the dentists volunteer to travel and they try to stay close to their homes, but sometimes they must travel far away. The team that we have actually spends about 40 weeks a year uh, sleeping in hotel rooms away from their families, um, and that's four nights a week. So they really are, are a dedicated group and um, you know we wouldn't be able to do this without them. Delta Dental works with many, what Parsons calls, site partners in communities across South Dakota. And those site partners call the vans when they recognize a need for dental care in their community. 
And then once we get uh, set up with them, they'll work to identify the kids that need us, uh, that need that dental care, and then getting all the paperwork out to those parents, getting it filled out and having it ready for us when we when we show up. And Parsons says they received amazing news last year. Last year, we saw our 50,000th patient uh, and, and delivered our 30 millionth uh, dollar of care on our trucks. With that exciting news, Parsons and Delta Dental know the importance of a good smile. Taking care of someone's oral health not only helps their self-esteem, helps them to focus at school, but it might be the thing that helps them to ace that first interview and, and to get into the workforce for the first time. What a great program to have available for particularly kids. Um, and you had mentioned something uh, when we were talking beforehand. There's something f special about February besides Valentine's Day. There's something special from the dentistry community. What is, what's special about February? February is National Children's Dental Health Month. And so it's often an opportunity for dentists, dental hygienists, dental assistants to be able to get into the schools and talk with kids about the importance of dental health and show them how to use floss and when to brush their teeth and always a really fun, fun opportunity. How much toothpaste should, should a person use? A kid or an adult? Is it different? Just a little bit. It doesn't need to be too much. Um, you know, I guess we'd say a small piece size amount on the toothbrush is just fine. Even for a grown-up? Even for a grown-up. Fabulous. And when should my child have their first visit to the dentist? Great question. Uh, we like to see kids within about six months of their first tooth. So usually that's at about, at about age one. And that first visit is really for familiarization in the dental clinic. So just to sort of experience the environment. We'll usually do a lap exam, so little one is sitting on mom or dad's lap and they lay back and we take a quick peek and apply some fluoride varnish if we can. Um, but we really let that little one guide the appointment. We wanna make sure that it's a positive experience, that they're not afraid to come back, that they wanna come back, and of course they get a prize at the end. But not a sucker, I bet. Oh my gosh, you would ask me that question. We have xylitol suckers. So xylitol is a sugar alcohol that has been shown to help uh, reduce and prevent decay. And it's a little trick that we use when we, and maybe you guys do too, uh, when we apply silver diamine fluoride, which is a really neat um, fluoride product that we use. Um, it's been available now for a few years, and I think it has really changed how we approach pediatric dentistry for our littlest patients. So if we see the start of decay on, in those one, two, three-year-olds, we can try to apply that silver diamine fluoride, which can help slow the progression of that uh, cavity, and it can help in some instances, slow the, slow the progression of the decay long enough for that tooth to exfoliate on its own. But more often, it will at least help to, to <clears throat> excuse me, to delay the progression of that lesion until the child's a little bit older and we can treat it um, and make it an easier experience for 
both the child, especially for the child, but also for us too. And the parent. And the parent too. <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you wish parents knew about taking care of their kids' teeth? Um, I think probably some of the most difficult things to see are when really, really small kids have cavities. And as any parent could tell you, getting sleep is really, really important. And so parents will do just about anything to get more sleep. And the hardest thing on kids' teeth is a bottle with anything other than water in it at night. So after about, you know, eight to 12 months, babies don't necessarily have to have milk in a bottle overnight. Um, and so that's probably one of the things other than bringing their kids to the dentist right about age one, like Alicia said, that is something that people don't usually know is a lot of kids go to bed with a bottle and it's it's one of the times that I see cavities happen the most quick in kids. And also some displacement of the teeth from the sucking is what I was always taught in my profession. So some two reasons to avoid that bedtime bottle. Well, we've got some great questions here that, uh, that I think we should get to. So um, an emailer says, uh, we've been led to believe that rotten teeth can poison the body. Is this true? Well, I think in a roundabout way it can be true, yes. Um, dental, there's more and more that we're learning about the relationship between oral health and the health of the body, particularly with heart health, um, kidneys, pregnancy health, um, certainly the bacteria that causes decay and the bacteria that causes periodontal disease has been shown to be linked to those um, other areas of the body, definitely. And fundamentally, I always think about sepsis, poisoning of the blood, and any way to introduce bacteria into the body sure. uh, can do that, and certainly dental decay is one of those possibilities, abscesses, or even just periodontal disease mm -hmm. can do that. So, um, Someone from Facebook wanted to know if uh, bone strengtheners can cause bad effects on teeth medicines for osteoporosis I think they're talking about. Yes, I think they're talking about uh, the different classification of bisphosphonate medications that are bone density medications that are great for specifically postmenopausal women and bone health. They work to stop the destruction of bone to help maintain bone health in the long bones, specifically hips and femurs. And it's difficult in the mouth because if somebody were to have a tooth extraction, your mouth has to undergo both bone destruction on a cellular small level, as well as bone building in order to repair itself. And so without that initial small cellular breakdown of bone, then the bone can't repair itself and they get a process that's called osteonecrosis. And this is an extremely, extremely rare phenomenon, but one that's very, very serious. 
And so whenever a patient of mine is going to be starting a bone density medication, I always advise them to come and see me. Let's get a really close examination of every tooth. Is there any teeth that we could first see having problems and being able to take care of things before starting that because those bone density medications have an extremely long half-life and stopping them in January or February makes no difference for treatment in June or July. Which is hard because we usually think about, oh, I have to stop my aspirin for a week before I have my surgery and thinking ahead six months or a year or two years can be really difficult. Or well, 25 or, years. Or 25 years, right. Well, and the good news, I think, is that physicians before they're prescribing bisphosphonate therapy are usually really good about telling their patients, get in to see your dentist before we start this. Mm -hmm. And I would say that communication there between physicians and dentists is definitely, Important. I think, where it should be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, also another good reason to keep up with your dentist visits so that uh, you're not caught by surprise with lots of dental work that needs to be done before you can protect your bones. Um, here we have a caller who's wondering about fluoride mouthwash. Is that useful at all, Alicia? Absolutely. Uh, there is a, there's a brand that we recommend a lot for, for kiddos called ACT Fluoride Rinse. And it's, again, it's just one of those tools in your toolbox to help prevent decay. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, we have a caller from Rapid City whose spouse had lichen planus of the tongue and that turned into oral cancer after 10 years. And first off, Brock, what, what is lichen planus? Lichen planus is a oral manifestation of kind of a bacterial and yeast problem in the second layers of cells. And it can be a problem um, but it's something that can be monitored very closely. It's not very often that lichen planus can turn into oral cancer, but it is something that we keep a close eye on. Another good reason for those regular dental visits for everybody, not just uh, people who know that they have a problem, because you don't always know that you have that problem or any other kind of oral problem. That's true. Um, there was another question in here actually from Esteline and they were wondering what oral cancer is. Alicia. Oh, sure. Well, um, <clears throat> oral cancer is cancer that develops within the oral cavity. Um, every time you come into your for your regular six-month checks your dentist is checking not only the hard tissues but also the soft tissues those high-risk areas for oral cancer within the mouth are under the tongue and the sides of the tongue and that's easy to take a quick look and see and make sure that those tissues are looking healthy um, those areas that are in that oral environment hard tissues specifically within the the bone of the jaw those areas are seen on routine radiographs and those can help identify any questionable areas or areas that might need additional follow-up. Mm -hmm. What are the risk factors for oral cancer? Um, 
So uh, probably the top things that we look at is tobacco, both chewing tobacco and uh, cigarettes. <coughs> Alcohol plays a big role in not only oral cancer, but the rest of the body as well. So those would really be the top three oral cancer concerns for me. Um, HPV, human papillomavirus yep. is another one, Can which is, be. yeah, another good reason we always think of HPV as causing cervical cancer, mm -hmm. which it certainly does, but it can also cause oral cancer, so it's another good reason for everybody, male and female, to get their vaccine mm -hmm. for that. Um, we have someone from Sioux Falls who's wondering if water flossing is as effective as flossing with floss. Brock. So I think a water flosser can be very effective for certain people, specifically if you have larger spaces in between your teeth or maybe you have dental implants or something else that provides big spaces in between. There is a space between your teeth and your gum tissue called the periodontal space and that's the spot where floss really shines. And so I think a water flosser can be a great additional, but it doesn't necessarily take the place of floss. Periodontal disease. Mm -hmm. A smile can be one of the first things people notice. And if you struggle with periodontitis, though, you can struggle with confidence to show off that grin. Thankfully, periodontists are available to help, and Prairie Doc reporter Sam Schauer spoke to one about solutions to fix a smile. Periodontitis is the inflammation between the gums and bone supporting and surrounding the teeth. And periodontist Dr. Paul Johnson from Midwest Periodontics and Implant Dentistry makes sure to prevent that. The first symptom is loose teeth. Unfortunately, the, one of the big symptoms for periodontitis is loose teeth, and you don't notice that as far as pain. People often don't even realize that they have bone loss around their teeth because it doesn't hurt. Followed by a checkup with him. They're often told by their hygienist that, hey, your teeth are getting a little wiggly, you're losing bone, and the next visit a lot of times is just with me. Dr. Johnson says genetics play a role along with the typical factors like smoking and not brushing your teeth. When Dr. Johnson was in dental school, he studied patients with arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. He discovered that patients with rheumatoid arthritis had a connection to periodontitis. We had patients that would enroll in the study, but they would be denied because they didn't have enough teeth. And overwhelmingly, those patients were ones that had rheumatoid arthritis. So the systemic disease that is related to joints of the hands and the wrists um, is playing a significant role in people losing their teeth. Dr. Johnson's job is to help prevent tooth loss with either dental implants or surgery. One surgical procedure is soft tissue grafting, which is the process of removing some of the patient's own gum and sewing it to the receding gum. During the procedure, we can tie everything in place so that as it heals, it'll cover that gum recession, with the goal being over time, it'll stabilize that tooth and prevent you from, from losing it at an early age. The other option is bone grafting. If there's an area around a tooth that's lost bone because of um, trauma or uh, an infection, 
sometimes we can go in and place a harvested bone into that site so we can stabilize the tooth, let it heal, and essentially grow bone back in, in an area where you may have lost it. Whatever option the patient chooses, Dr. Johnson and his team will help restore their teeth and give confidence back in their smile. I think anytime you can confidently chew food and confidently chew a nice South Dakota steak, you're going to be confident. What a fascinating specialty. What amazing to think about the things that they can do for that. And actually, we had people asking questions about periodontal disease. Uh, one individual from Yankton uh, said, was told that they had periodontal disease, and they wanted to know, is there a cure or a way to get 100% over it? Alicia. I wish there was, but there's not. There's no cure for periodontal disease. It's a chronic condition. Um, the best thing that you can do for it is treat it with scaling root planning, which I'm sure this person's dentist recommended. And then just as important is periodontal maintenance. So uh, the literature says that that bacteria that causes periodontal disease will repopulate in those spaces, in that space between the tooth and the gums every night by 90 days. So that periodontal maintenance happening every three months, although it seems like a very long or a very frequent time to be coming into your dentist is really what you need to do for periodontal disease. Discouraging. Anything that you can't cure that you just have to maintain is discouraging for people. So, um, and I suspect that this one might be related. An 84-year-old individual who says that their lower front teeth are migrating and turning and their lower gum is receding, the dentist says there's nothing that can be done about it. Anything to add? Any hope for this individual? Brock? Maintaining where your teeth are as you get older is something that can be very, very difficult. Um, teeth are always moving and shifting, and if the tooth doesn't have enough remaining bone structure around it, it can move much more rapidly. And that's oftentimes what we see on the lower front teeth as far as moving, shifting, and gum starting to recede is it's just an accumulation of many years where that bone slowly goes away. And that's kind of the most scary thing about periodontal diseases. It happens so slowly that oftentimes as a patient, we don't notice it. Another argument. Boy, we've come up with lots of arguments for those every six-month checkups. I think I need to call. Um, <laughs> I'm only a couple months behind, so I'm not doing too bad, people. We'll let you have that. We'll let, okay, all right. Um, here's someone from email who says that their dentist is recommending getting a mouthpiece for the teeth grinding. Do they have to do this forever, or will it get better? It might get better, absolutely. Um, so many people, ages 20 to 70, wear occlusal guards for bruxism, clenching and or grinding. And those guards that dentists recommend really help in, for a couple different ways, in a couple different ways. It'll help protect the teeth, keep you from 
um, causing severe wear or cracking your teeth. It can also help keep those chewing muscles apart, keep you from really flexing down quite as much. And it can also be sort of a subconscious reminder in your sleep to, to not squeeze down on those teeth. But yeah, it's, you know, we take our stresses out on our teeth, good and bad. And it might be something that they, you know, their life, you know, circumstances change and they're not clenching as much. Good to know. Someone on Facebook, and I think this is related to a little earlier in our conversation, what is dysplasia on the tongue, Brock? Dysplasia would be an early sign of cellular changes. And so those types of cellular changes happen at different rates. And dysplasia on the tongue would be some type of discoloration. It might be red or white or purple. Those are the types of things that I'm looking for for oral cancer screenings is a change in tissue color and oftentimes a mix of those changes. And so I really like to educate my patients and let them know what I'm looking at because I only see somebody maybe three, four times a year, maybe twice a year, but they can take a look, especially if they have a risk factor for oral cancer, they can look once a week. And see if something's changing. And then come in and see me. We have someone from email who says, I have sensitive back teeth that get irritated easily. What can they do about that? Well, you know, there's something really simple that you could try. Try using sensitivity toothpaste. There are, you know, Sensodyne works great. That might be all it takes. Also, what we just talked about, bruxism, clenching, grinding, and cause sensitivity, so that might be what's causing it. So try those things and then yeah. go see your dentist. Yep. Mm -hmm. Here's a caller who's wondering, is there any benefit to rinsing your mouth with vinegar? I can't think of one. Um, vinegar is acidic. I wouldn't think that that would be a great option. I wouldn't recommend it. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend that. None of us know of any scientific literature, but we've got concerns. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. <laughs> use, use that act. <laughs> um, here's someone from Kadoka who's wondering about a solution for dry mouth, specifically at night. Alicia, any thoughts? You know, something that works, uh, that I think works better than others is uh, uh, oral gel. Biotene has a great one. It's not fantastic. No products out there for dry mouth are fantastic. Having a glass of water at your bedside table and maybe trying a little of that oral gel, wetting the tissues, the cheek and the sides of the tongue with oral gel. The other thing I'd add to that is sleep apnea. When I hear people complaining about dry mouth at night, I, I wonder if they might have sleep apnea. So mm -hmm. get that. So. Um, uh, we have, uh, somebody's was told that they had cat disease, but they were told by their dentist they have cat disease. Does that ring any, you're both I'm, looking like. <laughs> I would venture the guess that their dentist is talking about resorption of a tooth. So it, resorption of teeth is very, very common in cats. Um, in humans, we don't see a lot of it, 
Um, I see maybe six or seven cases in a year. And resorption is a process in which the body or the tooth is destroying itself either from the very edge of the tooth in or even from the inside of the tooth out. And it's not a cavity, it's not decay, and unfortunately there's very little that can be done to support to that. support that. Well, I've learned something. That's good. Um, someone good. says, <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> someone says that their dentist offers teeth whitening, but they're concerned about the cost. Are the whitening strips effective? Absolutely. Yep, crest whitening strips work great. They might not get you there quite as fast, but they are soaking the teeth, and yes. So they try. are an alternative to try. Mm -hmm. Just don't tell me to give up my coffee. Please don't. Yeah, <laughs> please don't tell me to. <laughs> um, here's someone from Avon, South Dakota, wondering what a root canal is and why might you need it? Alicia. Uh, root canal or root canal therapy is a procedure um, that treats that inner layer of tooth structure. So if a tooth has a cavity or an area of of bacterial infection that reaches that inner layer of tooth structure, gets large enough, or perhaps there's a crack or you know something like that, that center layer of tooth structure, the whole system becomes affected. That center layer of tooth structure is soft. It contains nerve tissue and blood tissue. It's, I sort of liken it to bone marrow. And that whole system can be uh, treated by removing that nerve tissue and blood vessel tissue. Uh, going down to the full length of the root in the in the tooth and treating that area with a series of bacteria antibacterial rinses and medication and then filled permanently uh, in that space and then usually we recommend a tooth be restored with a buildup and a crown after it has root canal therapy. We're almost out of time. 10 second last minute thoughts for our viewers. Um. If you find yourself clenching your teeth during the day, remind yourself not to be clenching your teeth. <laughs> it's something that's very, very common for many people, but we're seeing a lot of problems caused. Caused by that. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you everybody. That's all the time we have tonight. The winner of our prize is Kathy from Rapid City. Thank you, Kathy, for asking a question during the first 20 minutes of the show, and a gift will be sent to you. We'll be back after this. Listen today to the Prairie Doc Podcast, a weekly show hosted by Laura Ellsworth, as she talks with medical professionals, takes questions, and walks us through important health topics affecting those in our communities. Search for Prairie Doc on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you find your favorite podcast today. If I asked you to name a chronic disease, you would probably think of conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, or dementia. The odds are one of the most common chronic diseases would never cross your mind. Worldwide, this condition affects over three billion people and causes significant physical and emotional suffering.
Annually, it costs the American economy upwards of $45 billion in productivity. Our children miss nearly 35 million hours of school. Our emergency rooms field nearly 2 million visits. So what is it? Dental disease. Those of us whose experiences with dental disease have been limited to the occasional cavity or perhaps wearing braces for a year or two may be tempted to dismiss it as an inconvenience or annoyance, not a threat. No doubt this impression is reinforced by the artificial distinction the insurance industry draws between our teeth and our bodies. However, an unhealthy mouth can lead to what we all understand to be serious medical illness. Pneumonia, bloodstream infections, and malnutrition to name a few. It is linked to heart disease and preterm birth. It can worsen other underlying diseases such as diabetes, and many conditions or their treatments can in turn worsen oral health. In addition to the physical suffering, dental disease can cause significant social consequences. How often do we say, without even thinking, they have a nice smile? Consciously or not, we assess people by their teeth. Those with visible dental disease are acutely aware of this judgment. I almost never saw my wonderful mother-in-law with a full smile on her face, no matter how happy she was. She was just too aware of her discolored and crooked front teeth. The consequences are more severe for many others, lost job or educational opportunities, lost social standing, relationships that don't move forward. Dental diseases can affect not just the appearance, but the function of the mouth, impacting speech and communication, and even the fundamental daily activity of eating. Preventing dental disease begins very early in life and continues indefinitely. Most people know brushing, flossing, and seeing a dentist regularly are important. They may know that sugar and tobacco are bad for their teeth, and athletes probably know they should wear mouth guards. Many people do not know that cavities are contagious. The bacteria that contributes is often spread from person to person, especially parent to child. They may not know that their sports drinks or diet soda is acidic enough to damage the enamel that protects their teeth. A healthy mouth is fundamental to health. When was your last trip to the dentist? Thank you to our guests, Dr. Hansen and Dr. Tiedstrom, for volunteering your time to help us learn more about oral health. Thank you very much. Absolutely. If you would like to see and hear more episodes of this program, please like and follow us on Facebook and YouTube, or visit us at prairiedoc.org. Look for Prairie Doc Perspectives in your local newspaper and online, and be sure to look for the podcast of this program, Prairie Doc on Call, wherever you get your podcasts.
joining us for another episode of Health Information based on science, built on trust. And until next time, stay healthy out there, people, and brush your teeth. High blood pressure or hypertension is often referred to as the silent killer because most people who have it don't have any symptoms and that silence can be deadly. Understanding hypertension, next time on Call with the Prairie Doc. Mom, can you believe we are already entering the 21st season of On Call with the Prairie Doc? It's amazing. Last year was so fun celebrating our 20th season. It was great to see the old shows and to just highlight the honest science and trust that our program is built on and that dad started so long ago. Yeah, and to see how it's grown. You know, to see it, it's not just a television program that you can find on Thursday nights at seven o'clock, but it's something that you can check out on uh, one of your favorite podcast networks or YouTube. Share these videos to your friends and family on Facebook. There's a lot of ways that Prairie Doc is making an impact. Uh, we know it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you, our viewers, and for our corporate sponsors and our, our private sponsors. We are completely privately funded foundation. So your contributions make a difference. And did you know that a couple of years ago, the South Dakota Department of Health asked us to do some special programming that they felt was important for the whole state to know. We felt really honored that they would ask us to be a part of that. So you, you donors, you helped in providing good education for the state. You know, as a nurse, uh, one of my primary responsibilities is to advocate for my patients. And this program really allows our prairie docs as well as the volunteer doctors to advocate for public health across our state and into the surrounding states as well which makes it particularly nice when a patient will come up to me and tell me that they really enjoy the program or my parents watch your show every week yeah i hear that a lot and it really is humbling and gratifying yeah and and i'm excited and humbled uh, to be joining the Healing Words Foundation Board as we work to make an impact on the lives of our supporters and to further that mission. If you would like to help us with this important work, we hope that you'll talk to your friends, you'll share our program on your social media page. And if you want to make a financial gift, please give directly at prairiedoc.org or mail your gift to the P.O. Box 752, Brookings, South Dakota, 57006. Thank, Thank you, you for, for your support. support. All right, Mom. You ready to go for a little walk? You bet. Let's get, those, get those steps. steps. <laughs> <laughs> Major funding for On Call with the Prairie Doc has been provided by at Avera, our nationally recognized health system will be right here with you, with care and coverage. Hello, possibility. Hello, healthy. Larson Manufacturing is proud to support On Call with the Prairie Doc as it continues to open doors for important medical information. 
and with the ongoing support of these individuals and institutions. Brookings Health System, Ophthalmology Limited, South Dakota Academy of Family Physicians, Avera Heart Hospital, First Bank and Trust, Dakota Allergy and Asthma, Vance Thompson Vision, Monument Health, Black Hills Medical Society, Brookings Madison Flandreau District Medical Society, Peer District Medical Society, Sioux Falls District Medical Society, Yankton District Medical Society, Orthopedic Institute, Lake Ponset Sailing Academy, Aberdeen Asthma and Allergy, Dakota Bank, South Dakota American College of Physicians, and Swiftel Communications.